Thank goodness it's finally Saturday. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and you're listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. And I've got a busy show for you this week. We've got a lot of guests joining us uh, a little bit later on in the hour. We've got the mayor of Oakville, Mr. Rob Burton, joining me. And uh, do you know the best city or the best place in Canada to live? Well, we're going to get uh, Rob to talk to us about Oakville and find out how it fared on the list. Uh, we're also got Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. We're going to be talking mortgages. What can you expect? Where are people at right now as far as their mortgage, their mortgage rankings? And, uh, and then a little bit later also, we are going to be joined by the former president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, uh, Mr. Ray Ferris. Um, before I get started on everything, though, I want everybody to know about the Simple Investors latest release. That's right. It's out. You can go to the website, thesimpleinvestor.com. Uh, we've got one and two bedroom condominium rental units starting at $129.9. They are fully occupied. You do absolutely nothing fully managed. We've got two and three bedroom units starting at $142.9 and again, fully managed and they are currently occupied. Now, location, Woodstock and Tilsonburg. So a little bit west of the GTA, great areas, very, very busy. Uh, you know, they're doing exceptionally well. So uh, make sure you go to thesimpleinvestor.com. The release just happened. We've got some left and uh, pretty exciting stuff. You know, come the fall, you can be the owner of a cash flowing, you got it, cash flowing investment real estate property. Now let's talk about what's really happening in the news this week. Uh, you know, all sorts of different headlines. And I always try to address the ones that we see. I was on a little bit earlier in the week with Jerry Agar, uh, always great to be on his show between nine and noon. And uh, one of the things that uh, Jerry asked me, and because there was an article that said in Vancouver, it takes 20 years for millennials to save for a down payment compared to 4.6 in Toronto. So so as I shed a tear for the people here, uh, you know, I had to wipe it away so I could kind of get calm and say, okay, it takes 20 years for uh, millennials to save for down payment. What exactly are they saving for? Well, then when you take a look at the average home price in Vancouver, $1.5 million. So question for you, should your first home cost $1.5 million or is there a better solution? And of course there is. So. With Jerry, of course, I try to, you know, pull back the reins a little, not get too aggressive. But why is it that somebody has to start off with a beautiful detached home? Why can't you start off with a condo? How about a townhome? You know, what about a semi-detached? How about something that needs a little bit of work? So when I hear the complaint that it's going to take so long to save up the down payment, I have to put the brakes on and say, okay, let's give our heads a shake. Let's look at reality and say, what can we truly afford to buy? How about we work on today's schedule? What's going on in this real estate market? or this real estate world. Now, I know a lot of people are hoping that the market's going to drop drastically so they can get into the market, but does that make the most sense for the economy? What about the, the people that are going to be looking at selling in the future, the baby boomers? Should they have a shortfall in their actual equity in their property? Should they be able to walk away with less money? Well, you know what, here's the thing. You should always start with a starter home. Never come out of the gates flying. One of the most important things I think people should do is gauge what they can afford, get into the market when they can, and then you know what? You start building your equity from inside ownership. And this is the thing. Looking at the outside, everybody's saying, well, yeah, but I can't get what I want. Well, tell you what, why don't you buy something? 
and make it what you want. And this is a lot of, a lot of conversations we've had over the last couple of years from affordability of you can make something better, but if you don't get into the market, you won't be able to. Which then again brings up the real question, the debate of home ownership. Should everybody turn around and own a home? You know, when we take a look at some of the financial experts out there, they're telling us that, you know, maybe home ownership isn't such a great thing. You know, you've got to tie up all this money into a property. You've got to wait for years to potentially get a good return out of it. You're going to constantly have to pay expenses to maintain the property. You've got taxes, you've got mortgage, you've got insurance, all these things that perhaps you don't want to spend money on. So if we take a look at your lifestyle, how much extra money do you have? Are you living it to the max? You know, when talking to Jerry about that article regarding Vancouver, you know, one of the things that uh, I was reminded by, by one of the producers was the idea that a lot of people are out there having their avocado toast and Starbucks and dropping $25 a day just on that alone. You know, when you take a look at that adding up, that's about $100,000 worth of a mortgage payment in, in a year. So a $100,000 mortgage would cost you the same amount as your Starbucks and avocado toast every, every week. Um, this, is, this is the thing. This is where people have to take, take a look at it and say, what do they truly want? So what if you don't buy a house? What if you turn around and you're going to be a renter for your life? Does it exist in Canada? Well, it does. 38% of people in Canada that live in Canada that have a residence, is it's actually a rental. So we're basically looking at about 60% ownership, 40% not. Now, a lot of these people do this by choice, not because they can't afford to buy a house. It's because it's by choice. They don't want to turn around and buy a home. They don't want the responsibility. They want the idea that they can move around and perhaps, hey, listen, you know what? I don't think I want to live here anymore. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to you know, give my landlord notice. We're going to leave. We're going to move somewhere else. We want to be in another part of the city. We're going to get a different job. A lot of times people, when they buy properties, they get locked into it. So does everybody have to own a home? No, they do not. And when I talk home, I mean primary residence. But if you are a renter, you can still own investment properties. And I'm not talking about, you know, doing it with a simple investor. Yes, we make the world of real estate investment simple, but I'm talking just for the idea that somebody else will pay down your mortgage. This is a good investment. No, there is no stock out there that can give you the returns that ownership will give you. Again, you can be a tenant and you can also have a tenant in an investment property. Again, this is one of those things that you have to take a look at it and weigh it out. Again, the financial experts, they're out there and they're saying to us, hey, listen, you know, maybe home ownership isn't what it's cracked out to be. This is where you have to make a decision. So tenant versus landlord. Well, you can't have a tenant if you don't have a landlord. This is very important. If you don't have a group of people out there that are buying properties so that you can rent, you're not going to have a place to live. So one of the big questions that we've seen over the last six months is a lot of people are complaining that they're saying landlords are getting rich. Well, if you take a look at the cost of buying an acquisition right now, they actually are not. They are actually losing money. And this is one of those things that people have to be aware of. Typically, your landlord, if they have bought in the last two years, the rent does not cover their actual purchase of the property, maintaining the mortgage and the taxes. So this is one of those things that we start having a little bit of a battle and 
you know, again, most people will turn around and say, hey, Todd, you are a landlord. You know, you have all these properties. You know, you are always going to side with the side of the landlord. Not always. You know what? I believe that tenants should have affordable properties. But at the same time, I also believe that landlords should not be held to task if they actually have invested and made some money on their properties. There's nothing wrong with that. One of the other things that keeps popping up is the fact that millennials want the prices to drop. They want the market to crash. And I understand you're looking for affordability. And of course, the one of the big things that everybody talks about is what the prices were like five years ago. If we take a look at the condominium market, it has basically doubled the square footage cost in the last five years. So instead of paying $350 to $400 per square foot, you're paying $800 square foot. And I understand that that is a big number. But if we turn around and we collapse the market down, and let's say we made it affordable, more affordable by about 40%, we had got the prices down so you could turn around and go into the marketplace. The one question I will ask you as a buyer today is what is your expectations as a seller five to 10 years from now? Are you willing to accept a lower price just so somebody else can get it in the market? Or do you have an expectation that allows somebody to make money, meaning you, the owner now, remember, you're no longer a buyer, you are an owner. Once you've purchased that property, you start paying that mortgage and those taxes, you are the owner, this is your primary residence. Are you allowed to make money on that property in the future? Or do we all say, no, we're just parking money there and we will exchange it for the same price that we did 10 years later. I want everybody to think about that because this has been a huge hot topic in the news and I get very frustrated at it because the truth is, is that I understand buyers want the cheapest, sellers want the most, where do we meet? Well, in most cases, every single buyer will eventually be a seller, okay? And when they are a seller, the real question is, what are your expectations? This is one of the key things that I would like all buyers to realize that in the future, you can also take advantage of equitable growth. And I think that's very important. Um, something else that I mentioned that I'm going to have a conversation with Ray Ferris about this, but I watched a little bit of a Twitter battle going out there and I have to caution people when they start making assumptions on multiple offers. Whose fault are the multiple offers? Is it the realtors or is it the buyers and sellers? Who controls multiple offers? Technically, a realtor is there as a referee. They are supposed to take in offers. They're supposed to divulge information, how many offers there are. You can't divulge the price. But ultimately, in the end, if you are a buyer and you are being told there is another offer, it is your choice to step back or you can compete. If you are a seller, you can make a decision that do you take the first offer or do you wait for other offers? This is something I'm going to talk to uh, Ray Ferris about in a little while because I watched a bit of a Twitter battle last week and I think we should get some clarity on his side and uh, hopefully give you some extra information on this. As I mentioned, we've got some great guests this hour. Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage is going to be joining us and the mayor of Oakville, Rob Burton, is going to be joining us and we're going to find out where does Oakville rank in the rankings of Canada's top cities. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. I'm going to be back right after this. And welcome back. So joining me is my mortgage uh, expert, Mr. Dave Butler from Butler Mortgage. And uh, Dave, are you enjoying the summer? 
It's been a good summer. Actually, I mean, it's been uh, it's been pretty busy. Uh, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be maybe a dead summer, but I think you and I kind of have always thought that it was still going to be a pretty busy summer, spring season, and uh, uh, Butler Mortgage is definitely busy. Yeah, excellent. So let's talk about some of the things that are going on in the news. Of course, Bank of Canada, you know, inched up the rates, uh, you know, back a few weeks ago. Are you seeing much of a fallout from that? I haven't seen much of scrambling at this time. I think the prime rate movement, a lot of people have been enjoying, enjoying very low variable rates. So the variable rate being increased by 0.25 doesn't really have people go too crazy. What I think is likely coming down the pipe, unfortunately, is that we're seeing the bond yields rising. And what happens when the bond yields rise is that usually means that the fixed rates are going to start to rise. And as you and I know, when the fixed rates start rising, that's when people start to panic. Right. You know, we as, as you mentioned, we saw a lot of people surfing the variable and variable is still attractive. Um, you know, if you're if we're talking about variable right now, what is the what, what is a deal out there today? Well, you know, it's funny. There's been some really heavy action on the variable discount. So, you know, you and I know in years past, getting prime minus 1% was considered the holy grail. I mean, it was not available very much at all, if any time. Uh, but right now, there is a host of lenders that are offering prime minus 1%, and some have even higher than that. I've seen as high as prime minus 1.2%. So, I mean, you're talking, you know, Prime today is sitting at 3.7. I'm still getting clients as low as 2.5 on a variable rate. So that's still, I mean, you're in the mid-twos there. It's still a very attractive rate. Yeah, and and it's interesting because again, as you said, as the bond rates you know start to, to start to fluctuate a little on us, you know the economy again. I think everybody's got a watchful eye on it. Here in Ontario, we've got a new provincial government. It seems like um, the, it seems like they're coming out of the gate swinging. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, think what's, I think what's happened is there was some, as you and I kind of agreed, you know, in past, there was some movements by our government prior to the new government that's taken over that were questioned with regards to how they were dealing with the housing market and some of the tactics they were using to try to cool it off. I think we're starting to see uh, some some impact coming from the new government in that, uh, you know, we just heard, as, as I'm sure you've, you've talked to some of the members about um, and some of your listeners about, that uh, the government has, has kind of floated this idea that they're going to relax a bit more on uh, self-employed mortgages. So we're actually seeing um, some literature coming out that they're going to kind of take a break on some of these self-employed guys and, and women, um, and they're going to allow them much more access to getting some of these good mortgages. Because we know for the past couple years, it's been very hard if you're self-employed to get a mortgage. So we're seeing a relaxed stance on that. And we're just, we're, we're, we're seeing definitely some aggression uh, coming out. So hopefully that kind of keeps the market going. Um, I think the biggest thing is seeing how this fall and winter season comes. We always know spring and summer is going to be pretty busy. I think the telling tale for 2018 is going to be how the fall 
and the, the winter market reacts. Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, Bank of Canada threw out a report, and a few of the a few of the real estate companies keep saying that they they start they think there's going to be a bit of a rebound uh, coming into the marketplace. And I would have to question that because you know they're saying, yeah, the fall's going to go up. You know, we should see about a five or six percent increase. Are they? Is this just positive sunshine blowing up the proverbial you know market, or 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 do you actually see something like this? happening uh, i mean i i think you and i both are probably from the same school of thought which is that I, I i don't know if if and how they're going to blow those types of numbers uh, you know into the sky i think the reality is you know it's easy to kind of play around with comparisons of percentages and some numbers we all know that last fall was sort of the the bottom half of the apex if you remember you know, going into the spring and summer last year, we were hot, 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 hot. And then there were the moves made by the government to try to cool it off. And that was about May or June. So, I mean, are, you know, the one thing I always try to ask is, are we talking about comparing, you know, August to August or September to September, October to October? Because last year we were starting to come on the downside, you know. So it's not that hard to maybe beat last year's numbers at that point. You know, the reality is we're, we're 2018 is not going to in my opinion, come that close to 2017's numbers, just because the first five, six months of 2017 was just rocket hot. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So, Dave, one of the things that I think people are now starting to uh, overcome or have to overcome, uh, the fact that when they bought brand new from the builders in 2016 and 2017, right up until, let's say, the spring of 2017, they bought them at a much higher price. Of course, the market has adjusted. We've seen a few people in Barry, they're getting squeezed out, you know, by saying, listen, I paid this much, but before I close, it's going to be worth this much. Some of the banks are calling the values into question. Um, how do you position a buyer right now in this marketplace? Because there are some people that, you know, the property's not worth what they paid for it, but they've been waiting on the close. Yeah, I mean, this is this is something, believe it or not, even this is obviously a big thing with new construction and new builds, but we're actually even noticing some issues on resale. And really, it's just coming down to appraisal. So to your point, uh, you know, we have someone obviously buying a new construction or a new build a couple years later, and then they're coming to close, and the appraiser's going into the home and saying it's not even worth what was paid. Um, we're seeing that even on some resale. So this has been a really interesting year for that type of topic. Um, there's a lot of realtors and myself, and, and I'm sure a lot of brokers fighting back with appraisers. Um, I think it's something that definitely we will see. And how we react to it is really going to be the big thing, um, and how the market reacts to it. Uh, the hope is that you and I don't see what we saw back in the late 80s, early 90s, where people were buying homes, you know, for, let's say, 350000 in Mississauga, and by the time they were ready to close uh, on the new build, these things weren't even worth 270000 I don't think that's going to happen, but I definitely, you know, Butler Mortgage is always positioning ourselves with our clients that are buying new builds to make sure that they're cautious, make sure that they try to save some extra money because you never really know how the market's going to react. And if their value of their home is less than what they paid, they're going to have to come up with the difference to make that deal work and to be able to get their mortgage. So we have been definitely making sure that it's a point that we bring up to every client that's even in the resale world, we're making sure that they know this is a potential situation that could happen. Prepare yourself. And if there's anything they need from us, we're here to obviously help them. Yeah, excellent. And speaking of being there to help people, Dave, best way for people to reach you and Butler Mortgage? 
Oh, best way is you can reach us by phone at one triple eight six eight four eight three two six, and of course we've got our website at butlermortgages.com, and uh, anyone can reach us there as well. Excellent. Listen, Dave, always a pleasure. Thanks for the update. We'll stay in touch and enjoy the rest of the summer. Really appreciate it, Todd. You too. Take care. Thank you. Folks, when we come back, we've got more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So my next guest is no stranger to the show, nor to real estate, of course. It's Mr. Ray Ferris, uh, former president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, uh, owner of Erie's Edge Real Estate. Um, Just a man that does all, all so much. Ray, good to hear from you. Yeah, it's great to be back, Todd. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. So um, you and I haven't talked in a little while. There's lots to talk about. You know, we've got a new provincial government. We're watching the markets. You know, we hear all sorts of contradicting reports. I think that the markets themselves are becoming much, much more of a micro market. Um, Your marketplace, of course, out in the uh, Lake Erie area, uh, it's booming, isn't it? It really is, Todd. Our biggest problem out here right now is simply lack of inventory. Um, for every listing we have, we're still seeing competing offers. We're still seeing the asking prices exceeded, and we're selling properties for ten, twenty thousand dollars over uh, what the seller's expectations are. Wow. I mean, you know, it, it's funny. You know, you and I've been talking for years, and would you ever believe that, Ray? That you know, your market would stay that strong for so long. You know, I, I really can't. I remember when I first became a realtor twenty-five years ago, and. And prospective sellers would always say, you know, prices here one day are going to reach $500,000. And in those days, we we were only talking $150,000. And believe it or not, Todd, now we're talking a million dollars sometimes for lakefront properties right here on the North Shore Lake Erie. Wow. And that, that's incredible. And, you know, for, for people to understand, you know, what kind of market has to change to get there. Now, right, why, why do you think it is? You know, I mean, you know, we still, people are still building. They can go into all sorts of different marketplaces. You know, Brantford's not far from you. You know, Hamilton. I mean, why do you think there's been such a push into, let's say, the vacation properties? Well, you know, we used to call ourselves here Ontario's best kept secret. And I think what changed the rules of the game and what caused people to discover us here on the North Shore Lake Erie really was the Internet. I mean, as you know, Todd, with the Internet, buyer search real estate 24-7, 365 days a year. And now people are able to find Long Point and Port Dover and Turkey Point, all of these cottage communities on the North Shore of Lake Erie, whereas before they weren't. As you know, the trip, the typical Torontonian always associates cottage country with Muskoka and places north of Toronto. But I've observed that as a result of the internet, people are able to search and find areas that maybe they weren't aware of before. And then what happens? Somebody buys here and then they bring their friends down or their family down. And those friends and family that visit turn into buyers themselves. So I attribute it largely to the internet, but also We're seeing a lot of people from Toronto, Todd, not buying homes in the city anymore. And what they're doing is they're investing in cottages rather than a home in Toronto. 
Yeah, you know, it it does make sense because, you know, as as we know, there's no more no more land. So where if you're able to secure a nice piece, you know, uh you're near the water, everything else. You know, it's interesting because you did mention Port Dover. Of course, you have you have the Friday the 13th, you know, a couple of weeks ago where everybody descended upon your your that area of Port Dover as they always do. Um but, you know, there's so much more to these these areas than let's say, you know, the highlight of, you know, thousands of bikers coming in. You know, when we when we take a look at it, and, and I've got a great education from you over the years about all the great aspects of these marketplaces, um, you know, it, it's no wonder that, you know, people are getting more and more attracted to it, and, and it's a lot more fun for families to be there. Um, one of the things, though, Ray, is that, you know, when we talk about multiple offers, you know, this is something that there's only very few areas still that are receiving multiple offers in Ontario. Of course, your pocket's one of them. You know, we're seeing London as well. It's doing exceptionally well. But it seems like the outer markets are still going strong. Is this just because people are sick and tired of the GTA? Well, you know, I, I really can't put my finger on it, Todd. Uh, I'm no longer president of the Ontario Real Estate Association, so I don't have my thumb on the pulse of all things Ontario anymore. But those buyers that are coming and speaking to me are expressing frustration with regards to the prices that they've experienced in Toronto, the competitive of competitiveness competitiveness of the market. Now, I know things have softened compared to last year, but one thing I'm also observing is that buyers today are a lot more cautious than they were maybe in the craziness of what we witnessed in 2017. Yeah, and, and one of the things, though, that we're, we're also experiencing right now, and, and maybe you can, I'm going to ask for your opinion, and I'm not going to put you yeah, hanging on it, but we've got a new provincial government. Do you think that this is going to help? Because one of the biggest problems, of course, in Ontario was an inventory issue. I still believe we have an inventory issue, despite the fact that the numbers aren't really saying that, you know, with the number of transactions, that that's the issue. But I think that is a new provincial government going to help maybe, you know, take off some of the handcuffs? Yeah, I mean, I think Doug Ford, now Premier of Ontario, made it clear during the election, and he's still saying it now, that he's going to get rid of red tape and regulation that stops builders from getting shovels in the ground. Now, um, you know, I think that the former Premier's 16-point fair housing plan that was introduced in April of 2017 didn't help with the inventory problems we're experiencing in Ontario to begin with. I mean, I don't think that fair housing plan did anything positive for the real estate market. And I'm very glad that Doug is the premier of the province, and uh, I think it's going to be a good thing for real estate. We've got to get rid of the red tape. We've got to get rid of the bureaucracy. We've got to make it quicker for homes to be built and get families into housing. So... If you were if you were to give him a wish list, what I, I obviously getting rid of red tape. Um, we can't do anything about the uh, about the recent stress test that was put in in January, and this is what a lot of people are blaming. You know, the market had slowed down because you know everybody has to adjust to the stress test. You know, they they got scared away some of the fir- some of the foreign buyers, and then on top of that, you know, taking a look at some interest increases from the Bank of Canada. You know, do you see? You, obviously, you're not seeing that in your market marketplace but you know and the GTA market did see a fair bit of it so you know where where can we find a little bit of normalcy where can we get this thing to balance out well certainly getting rid of rid of red tape and bureaucracy as we've already discussed is is going to be a big help but there's other things that the Doug Ford government can do as well 
first-time home buyers still do struggle with collecting enough money to put down towards as a down payment. Now, the former Liberal government did double the amount of the land transfer tax rebate available to first-time home buyers, but I think the government can expand that again. So the current rebate is $4,000. let us make that 6000 It's hard for Ontario families, particularly first-time home buyers, with the cost of heating, the cost of hydro, and everything that a family incurs in terms of just paying their bills to collect enough money for a down payment. So there's another good step uh, that would be helpful to home buyers is increasing the amount of the land transfer tax rebate available to them. Yeah. So right now we know that, uh, you know, we're going to be, we're, we're coming through the summer market. Do you, uh, do you think we're going to stay strong uh, through the fall and into 2019? Yeah, and I have no reason to believe, nor have I saw any indicators that would lead me to believe in my market. And this is all that I practice in is, you know, the small town, uh, the small lakeside towns in southwestern Ontario that, Anything is going to soften this market. I don't believe that's going to happen. All indicators are uh, that it's a strong market. And as I indicated at the top of the show, Todd, for every listing that we have out here, we still are receiving multiple offers. Buyers are competing for the properties that we have for sale because of the lack of inventory. And compared to the GTA, our real estate prices here are still extremely affordable. Excellent. Ray, if our listeners want to reach out to you because they are looking to go into your marketplace, what's the best way for them to reach you? My website, eriesedge.com. Well, that's pretty simple. <laughs> Listen, Ray, always a pleasure having you on the show, and we will stay in touch. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Thanks so much. Thank you. That was Ray Ferris. He's from Erie's Edge Real Estate. He is the former president of the Ontario Real Estate Association and always great to have him on. And when we come back, we've got more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Um, as you know, I, uh, I try to feature uh, different cities and different towns throughout Ontario on a regular basis. And fortunately, the, uh, you know, we have that section called Minutes with the Mayor. And this week, uh, I'm very honoured to be joined by the Mayor of Oakville, Mr. Rob Burton. And uh, Mr. Mayor, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, a real pleasure having you back, sir. Um, you know, we uh, we talked last year. Uh, Oakville, of course, uh, I live in. I, I, I tell our listeners that I think it's a wonderful place. And um, perhaps you can uh, you can give us uh, you know a little bit of a, a highlight on what's going on in Oakville. Lots of building going on, by the way. And then let's talk about a recent article that was in the news, and it should make you proud. It sure made me proud. And uh, and that is the ranking that Oakville has in Canada. We've been climbing our way up that list for uh, the last 12 years, and uh, we were breaking into the sunshine in the last few years. And uh, this year, by one point, we edged out number one in Canada, Ottawa. And, uh, and I mentioned what a narrow thing it is so that you understand that we're not, you know, I don't think we think that we can rest now. Um, uh, we, you and I, we live in a town that uh, is full of people who want to believe that uh, if they work hard, they can make life better. And you can see that all throughout the life of our town, the way the moms and dads volunteer to make sure their kids have safe activities, 
whether it's a sports group or an arts group or dance or whatever, we have uh, just an amazing amount of community engagement where everybody wants to know each other. I feel like in our neighborhoods, we all have each other's back. Uh, there was a um, there was a break in intergang up from Chile um, earlier this year, and a neighbor, and they were breaking into houses, 400 or more houses all over the GTA. An, an, an Oakville neighbor, a dog walker, saw something that didn't fit the neighborhood and called police, and that's how that gang got broken and rolled up. And uh, uh, it's just an example of the kind of neighborliness that I think is at the heart of a great place to live. And, you know, the one-point difference tells you that we're not really that different from anybody else. We we got lucky, I guess you could say, because we edged out uh, uh, a city uh, where not only do the, the residents of Ottawa have the benefit of their own contributions, but the federal government being there injects a lot of money into the livability of that city. So uh, we're, we're, we're thrilled and humbled at the same time, but we know that we have to keep working. Right. So there's a lot of positive things going on in Oakville right now. Um, and of course, we just finished, uh, you know, what, what I, I think as a, as a, it's kind of a historic event, of course, it was held at Glen Abbey. It's the Canadian Open. Uh, Dustin Johnson being the winner, um, you know, son-in-law to Wayne Gretzky, it kind of makes you feel like almost a Canadian won it. This must be a very exciting event when you, when you uh, host it uh, every year. It is. We don't host it every year. Um, it goes away and comes back. Uh, I believe it might have been 2008 that it came back after being away for quite a long time. Um, as everybody knows, uh, the owner of the golf course, a company called uh, Clublink, is um, trying everything it can to um, end the life of Glen Abbey as a golf course and turn it into a massive growth center in uh in a part of oakville where that just wouldn't fit um and uh and coincidentally uh golf canada has announced that uh the the, uh canadian open is hitting the road again so so where where do we stand with that because when you and i last spoke last year uh of course you had mentioned that clublink had an application in and i believe that your 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 council uh you know there were people that said listen we'd prefer to leave it as is um is there an update for for our listeners well we uh council made the decisions to refuse the application and all of the decisions are being challenged in uh courts. Uh, I, I use the term uh, with a small c because there's administrative tribunals that are court-like and there's courts and it, there's like six different appeals, a bunch of different appeals and they're, they're in all these different places. Uh, and the next council and mayor uh, will be conducting uh, the fight at that level. This council and I made the decisions, whoever the people Uh, elect in October will be the ones responsible for carrying out the defense of our decisions. I, of course, would prefer if if I and and my colleagues who who have conducted the fight so far get to finish the fight, but, you know, it is up to the voters. 
Right. Well, I think you've done a wonderful job so far. We've seen some incredible growth in Oakville, but it's been tempered correctly. Um, let's let's talk about that. A lot of building now going, of course, uh, up in the Dundas corridor. There, a lot of a lot of the major builders in the GTA are you know taking part. We're seeing some real positive growth there. Can you can you give us an idea or an overview of what people can expect over the next few years with the growth of Oakville? Yes. The um the most interesting thing about residential growth is how long ago the decisions are made that make stuff happen today. So in the middle of the 90s, the decisions were made to move the boundary of Oakville up above Dundas and, and put in uh, a target uh, um, population of about 50,000 people. And it's about uh, it's estimated that it's uh, as much as a halfway there now. So there's going to be more of that continue. And that decision, by the way, I fought that decision before I became mayor. I was a, a leader of a residence association, and uh, I appealed that decision to the old Ontario Municipal Board. And uh, my vision was that it wouldn't hold that many people. But uh, the uh, the town prevailed, the old mayor prevailed, and uh, they got a they got an Ontario Municipal Board order that it was going to grow as they designed it. All I achieved was saving the green space up there. And uh, so uh, people see the, the growth start uh, eventually because builders sit on land for a long time in order to maintain the, the prices of their product. That's called supply management. And in Canada, just about everybody who can uh, tries to... Uh, manage their supply in order to protect their price. So anyway, it, it shows up years later and people go, oh, that was terrible, Rob. You shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, geez, <laughs> <laughs> I have the scars from trying to stop that before sure. I was mayor. Uh, I have slowed it down. And uh, more importantly, we've got a new official plan that protects our established neighborhoods from the unwanted intensification that the province's growth plan um, threatens to everybody, and and that's been tested in the courts, and that's working. Yeah. So, um, so growth is a, a you you said the right thing in your question. You said it's been tempered, and that's exactly what we've tried to do. My my message to people is we only we only support the growth that fits environmentally and economically. Yeah. Well, no, that makes a lot of sense, Mr. Mayor. And, 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 and people do need to hit the brakes, I believe, uh, in, in some aspects, because they get too aggressive, they go up too big, too high, and it really does have an effect on the overall appeal to, to uh, you know, an area, a neighborhood. Uh, one of the last things, perhaps. Um, so do we have any more upcoming events in the Oakville area? Of course, you've got, uh, you know, the downtown core down by the lake. Lots of people love to go along the, the walkway there. Um, what's coming up for the rest of the year? Well, next week we've got the uh, music festival in downtown, and uh, it's uh, just as much fun as Midnight Madness. Everybody in Oakville knows and enjoys Midnight Madness. Thousands of people throng the, the streets of our historic downtown. And next year we're rebuilding the streetscape to have wider sidewalks and a much, much more of a public life, much more of a European-style cafe life on the sidewalks. Uh, so... Uh, Things are looking great for Oakville. 
Yeah, excellent. Well, Mr. Mayor, it's been uh, you know great pleasure having you on the show again, and uh, perhaps um, you know we'll wish wish you the best of luck, obviously, in the elections coming up. Hopefully, we're able to have a conversation next year with you as the mayor once again, and uh, we look forward to uh, having a chat with you. Thank you, and from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Folks, that was the Mayor of Oakville, Mr. Rob Burton, and always a pleasure to have him on the show. As uh, as he mentioned, you know what, there is a lot of growth going on in Oakville, but they are actually keeping a very watchful eye on it, and I think that's a positive thing. Well, that's it for this week. Um, you know what, it's always great to have good guests on, and most importantly is being able to tell you what's going on in the real estate market, or at least trying to make sense of some of these crazy headlines. Like I said earlier, you know, you, you get all these reports, they come in, market's good, market's bad, what's really going on, you know, who's at fault, what is going, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, I do this full time and even I have a tough time kind of deciphering what is really going on in the market. So again, uh, thanks for tuning in to Simply Real Estate every single week. Of course, I am your host. I'll be back next Saturday at 3 p.m. as usual. I want to thank Andre and Ian. They make it simple every single week. And that's it. That's a wrap. Enjoy your weekend, folks. And I'll be back next Saturday. Have a great week.